Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor J.P. Troyo here. So glad that you're joining us today on our podcast. You're about to hear a message today from our weekend encounter. Uh, I pray that this message uh, encourages you, inspires you, and pushes you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to stay on track with what's going on at the church, we'd love for you to download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, or visit us on our website, www.oasischurchchicago.com. I'm praying for you, we're believing for you, and we trust that God's gonna continue to do great things in your life. God bless you. Now here's the message today. You guys glad you're in church? How good was that? That's recorded and it'll be out so you guys can show your friends and encourage your family with that or people that you know because, man, that is truth. And that is what we are talking about. Family history. If you've been with us uh, last week, our first Sunday here, here at Chicago Hope Academy, we launched into a new series called Family History because our word for the year as a church, our vision word is family. I think more than ever, I was saying it to a couple people in the back, I think more than ever, uh, families are under attack. Yeah, um, um, like the, just the nucleus of a family. But beyond that, the family of God, the people of God, the church of God is under a strong attack. And if you don't believe that, then come have an offline conversation and I'll point it out to you everywhere and anywhere that it's happening because it's happening. But the good news is, is that God's victory and God's won it and God's in control of his church and no man and no thing could stand against the church of Jesus Christ. He's in control, he's in power. But there is a major attack on this idea of family. And so all year we decided we're going to talk about family, we're going to talk about what it means to be in the family of God, what it means to be a part of the family, how you operate, how you live, how you think, how you move, how you go about everything in this life. It should all be surrounded around this idea that we are part of God's family. And so today I want to continue with this as we learned about who God was last week. Um, who is God? How did this whole thing happen? Who designed all this? Who made all this? It didn't just happen by some chance or by some big explosion. It happened by a great designer named God, Yahweh, the God above all gods, the God of creation. And so today, we're going to talk about the creation of you and I, man and woman. Come on. You excited to learn some family history this morning? You're like, I think so. And so I, I entitled this message, Family History. Mere time. Mere time. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Genesis 1, 26 to start. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. We're going to be focusing on Genesis 1, 26 through 2, 25, but I'm excited to preach this because I think some people are going to be transformed in this place today, even learning about Adam and Eve. Any faith in the room this morning? Okay, praise the Lord. I want to read verse 27 to kick us off here. And it says this, So God created man in his own image. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. Pretty clear scripture, huh? So God, right, who we learned last week, created male and female in his image. In his image. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, right now, I ask God that you would just reveal yourself in a greater measure to people in this room. God, I pray whatever voices are talking to people right now, whatever chaos is surrounding God, whatever people have walked into this place with, God, that you would still them right now. 
that, God, they would receive from you and you alone. I pray that you would breathe into this message only the way that you can. I pray that, God, it would not be my words, but it would be your words by your Spirit's power, that, Father God, you would transform, you would change, you would help us to understand who you are and what you have called us to be. God, we just bless you in this place. We thank you in this place. We, we open up our hands to receive from you right now. I pray that identity is spoken into people. I pray that hope comes alive in people. I pray that people would know that they are meant for more and more through you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. How many, time, how many of you uh, woke up this morning, you went into the bathroom, and the first thing that you saw was yourself? Okay. You looked at the mirror and you saw yourself. Maybe some of you got in the car and you drove over to this place and before you got out of the car, you pulled that mirror down and you looked at yourself to make sure everything was good. All the single people were like, freshening up, looking good. We love single people. We're praying for you. (laughs) How many of you did that this morning? Or maybe better yet, how many of you pulled your phone out and already got that selfie for the day? Oh, pastor, why you gotta go there? No matter who you are in this room, you've seen yourself today in the mirror. You've saw the reflection of who you are. You've seen yourself in, oh, what did you see, though? Like, what did you actually see? Like, like just to be honest, when I, when, I, when I saw myself in the mirror today, I went, man, man, I need to get in the shower fast. I need to clean up myself. I look bad. But some of you looked in the mirror this morning and you saw the failures. You saw the flaws. You saw all the imperfections that you see and you look at and you say, I am flawed. I am my mistakes. I am my failures. You see everything that God has never intended us to see. Come on, can I preach this morning? Some of you are pleased with the way you look, but if we're being honest, most of us see the things we don't like in us. I was telling Rachel the other day, I'm going to go take care of some wrinkles right here and just Come on, it's church. Everyone's like, she's laughing because it's true, but. We don't like what we see. More than ever in today, in this culture, the culture is telling us what we should look like, how we should look, how everything and everything. And instead of looking at the mirror going, I am not who I see inside of this mirror, I am made by him. I am made by him. In the mirror, we only see us. Like Brennan was saying, you only, you, we think this whole thing is just us. We think it's just me, 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 all the arrows pointing into me, 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 me. In all reality, we were never created for us, for just me, should I say. We were created for all of us together to do this thing, to do what God has called us to do. We all want to be somebody today. You know, I was entitled this message originally and I changed it, but I entitled this message Clout Chasers. Get him. All the old people, like, all right, what's that mean? <laughs> Full confession. I had no idea either. I'm getting old. But everyone's all about, y'all, I'm chasing that clout. I'm trying to be somebody today. I'm trying to be this influencer. I'm trying to just get that blue check mark next to my name. Because if I got that blue check, I'm coming at you all in love and grace and mercy and kindness. But if I had that blue check mark, I would finally be able to look myself in the mirror and be happy. To have millions of friends that actually don't even know who you are. That don't know when you're in the trials, don't know when you're in the pain, have no clue what you're walking through, but we're chasing after that instead of looking at ourselves going, I need him. 
I actually just need him. Listen, listen, listen. You're an influencer. You got thousands of followers. Great. Use your platform to glorify God. We're not mad at technology. I love it. But don't use it to build you up. It's not about you. It's about everybody else around us. And so maybe today if we would just take the time to say, I'm looking at the mirror and maybe I don't like what I see, but the reality is, is we were never meant for the mirror. We were never meant to look at, back at ourselves and see like, wow, look at all the flaws, look at all the mistakes, look at all the failures. Wow, look at myself on this screen. How many hours are we looking on a screen instead of looking up? The mirror time has to go. It's time for us to understand something, and the truth of today is this. The fact of the matter of today is this, that we were designed by God because we are the image of God. You are not the image that you post on Instagram. I love you. I love you all. But you are not that image. Come on, how many of you know highlight reels are all over Instagram? You can't look at someone's life just based off of what you see today. The reality is, is no matter who you are in this room, you are a human in this room, and by being a human, you are an image bearer of God. We bear the image of God. Oh, man, this is, see, if you caught this, if we catch this today, we'll be unstoppable. If you actually understood that you're an imager of God, you will not allow anybody else to tell you otherwise. I'm here today to tell you, if I don't get through this whole sermon, blessed be the name of the Lord. But I'm here today to tell you something right now. If you understood that you image God because you were created by God and no one else and nothing else, you would walk out of here with your head lifted a little higher, your chest out a little more. Not in cockiness, woo, but in confidence, right? Knowing I am the image of God, that he is pleased with the creation that he made. Woo! I promised myself I'd talk really quiet all the way up until the third point this week. <laughs> Good luck. The cool thing, though, about it is, is we are unlike any other piece of design that God made. I didn't cover the creation story of the rest of the earth, the, the land and the sea, the, the birds and the fish. I didn't cover that. The reason why is it's all important. Go read your Bibles, right? But the reality is, is we are today, we, us human beings, if you're breathing in this room right now, we are the pinnacle of God's creation. Where's Brennan? <laughs> we are the pinnacle of what God created. The pinnacle. We are the people that God looked down and said, yes, I'm going to breathe my breath into those, into them. I'm going to breathe my breath. I'm a but I'm going to breathe. You know that he didn't breathe his breath, in, breath into anything, anything else except us? <sighs> Amen, I'm with you, Liz. You know what she said? She said, how kind. That God of creation would breathe into my breath, breathe into my lungs his breath. How kind is that? We are image bearers. We bear the image of God. We are his image bears. So I know you're sitting here going, well, what happened? What happened with Adam and Eve? If it was so good, if it was so right, what happened? We're going to get there next week. So come to church. <laughs> hey, there's that plug. Hey. <laughs> We're going to get there, but we got to understand the original intent of this whole thing, of what God intended. And he, in, in reality, he still intends today through his son, Jesus Christ. Woo, that's good news. That his whole plan isn't messed up. It's all distorted. No, 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 no. Through Jesus, we still get it. And if that doesn't wake you up in the morning, I don't know what will. The fact that through Jesus and his son, we still get to have everything that God intended from the beginning of time. Anybody thankful for that? Why don't you just give Jesus just five seconds of praise? The fact that he actually kept his promise. 
Do you understand? That's the promise to us. He kept his promise. So the first thing that we have to understand this morning is that from the beginning of men and women being created, God created us with something that no other part of creation has. And that takes me to my first point is this. Write this down. Because if you don't understand this, you will not understand the whole story. We will not understand where we've come from. The first thing is this. We, you, us, have unique value. Unique value. Human beings were created with unique value because we are image bearers. We do not need to search anymore for value or fulfillment outside of Jesus. If we understand that God originally designed us opposite of anything else, opposite of anything else, we can come to terms today that God has given us unique value. We are more important to God than all other creation. Our value is different. I am not the same as the trees. I am not the same as a dog. I am a unique creation. You are uniquely created by God. Genesis 1, 26 through 28 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the seas and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. <laughs> I love the Bible. <laughs> It was so good all the way till there. It was creepy. Things are creepy. So can we have fun in church? Who, who reads that? It's like, amen, brother. Creepy things and creepy. <laughs> so God created man, catch this, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to, said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I have a quote that I want to read from, from a few guys that's found in a, in a Faith Life Study Bible that I, I just read this week and it, it popped out to me. It says this. I think it's up on the screen. Do we have that quote? The likeness of God being created in the image of God distinguishes people from all other earthly creation. The likeness of God being created in the image of God distinguishes people from all other earthly creation. God's image is not described as being possessed in part. Okay? It's not described as being possessed in part or given gradually. Rather, it is an immediate and inherent part of being human. Is that a, oh, praise the Lord. It doesn't just by the things that you do or the actions that you do that you get to become more of an image of God. It is not by anything you do. It's not by your abilities. It's not by your capabilities. It's not by your It's none of that. It's just the fact that when God spoke you into existence, you were made in his image. And can I tell you today, not doing more things for God. We were like, well, I'll just do more. No, you can't do more to be in the image of God. You already are. But like, I can't look a certain way just to be in the image of God. In the moment you were created, you were in the existence, in existence of time. You were created to be an imager. People say today more than ever, well, it's my, my ability to functions that proves that I'm an image bearer. I, I would say it's not by your functions or how you can operate. It's by the simple fact that you are a human created by God. You with me this morning? Do you understand? If we can catch this in our hearts and souls, we will walk around going, I am not a mistake. I am not defined by my mistakes. I am not just something that happened by chance. I am not just, oh my goodness, my parents were born. Some of you are like, what? <laughs> no, God designed you the moment you came into existence. Can I tell you? Your life matters. 
Your life is precious. Your life is a gift. Your life is not just in regards to you don't get to determine when your life's over. Can I say this right now? There are some people in this room right now, right now, that are wondering, should I stop my life? And I'm here to tell you, no, because you are made in the image of God, and it is only through God that he has to say when our time on this earth is done. You are not by chance. You are not by accident. There was nothing. Guys, if we understood this, we would walk around a little bit higher, a little bit more like, not like higher. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, Chicago, they had the laws. Like, what's he talking about? (laughs) there it is I was just waiting for this (laughs) we actually understood how uniquely designed we were how much more can you sing songs of praise and adoration to him like, like, like Alex or Pastor Jordan don't have to tell you to keep singing they don't have to keep calling you to sing you can just start you just begin to sing because you know man God designed me God didn't make a mistake. It's not by my abilities or inabilities. It's not by anything that I can do. I'm an image bearer of God. And so being an image bearer of God, I'm going to give him all the praise, all the adoration. It is by him that I have breath in my lungs. It is him that I get to move about. It's by him that I get to be free. It's by him that I get to walk around. It's not by anything that I do or anything I don't do. It's because he cares for me and he loves me and he designed me from the beginning of. You know, my son, Titus, turned one. He's a legend. Absolute legend. (laughs) This kid, brother, he needs to get saved, though. <laughs> he needs to get saved. Where am I going with this? I'm going somewhere, don't worry. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? If you're visiting, we love you. God bless you. It's so good to have you here. But you know, my son, he has unique value to him. His super unique value to him. The value is, is that Rachel and I are his parents, and he's our son. He's my son. He has more value to me than anything else in this life, next to my wife. He has more value to me than any, any, anything that happens in creation, than any other tree, any other plant. Like when our plants die in our house, because they do often. <laughs> That's not true. We don't have a morning service for them. I'm like, Rach, chuck that thing out. Like, get that thing out of here. But my son, he has more value than anything else. I look at my son and I go, man, my son has deep, deep value because I'm his dad and he's my son. The reality is, though, is that Titus doesn't understand that value, right? I mean, like, what one-year-old understands that value? Reality is, is there's some 40-year-olds in here that don't understand the value of their lives. So, like, why would a one-year-old, okay, I love you, but I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just trying to paint a picture here, right? Like, so, so Titus doesn't understand his value. But as Titus gets older and older and older and has, he, become, he gets his, you know, what we call our will, the ability to choose what we want to do and not want to do, my, my son is not going to be perfect. I know that. I'm not naive, right? Although I'm going to pray over his life every day. I'm going to come in and cover him in Jesus' name. But anyways, but he's going to grow up, and he's going to continue to grow up, and he's going to choose to do whatever he wants to do in this life. We're going to raise him right. We're going to, we're going to believe for great things over his life, but Titus is going to have the ability to choose what he wants to do. Titus might choose to be grounded one day. <laughs> There might come a point where Titus is going to choose to be grounded for weeks, maybe months, maybe a year. Maybe he might move in with one of you. I don't know. All the parents say amen. Grandma and grandpa are like, no, he can come to us. But no matter how many times I have to ground Titus or discipline Titus or talk to Titus, the value of Titus does not change. 
The mistakes that Titus does, the things that he will do, I'm not proclaiming that over his life, I believe, but, but we're human, right? We're going to go through this life and we're going to figure this thing out, right? It's by the grace of God that we pray over our children and ask that the covering of the heavens will be over our children, that our children won't taste and see the goodness of the... Anyways, when you have a kid, you, you'll understand. But what I'm saying is, is that if I have to discipline him or I see a mistake happen in him, I don't change my value of him. See, if you understood... Whoo, you are not your mistakes. And God does not take his value off you because you've made mistakes. He doesn't take his value off you because you've done too much wrong. He doesn't take his value away from any of you. You are made and are continuing to be in the image of God because you are breathing. Because you're existing. Your value is still unique to God. Not by what you do or by what you haven't done. It's just because you are here and you're human. Life is important. Life matters. Why? Because it comes from God. Here, can I say this? I'm going to say this. I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. It's not the church that's all about abortion. It's the Bible. And it's the King of Kings. And it's the Lord of Lords. And I'm sitting here today to tell you this. If any of you have thought, if any of you have walked through this, there is grace, there is mercy, and we love you, we come around you. But I'm here today to tell us that when I hear people say, well, that's just them. That's those evangelicals. No, it's not the evangelicals. It's the Bible. And it's God that designs life. And he is the giver of life. And who are we to say, no, 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 no. That's the problem and that's the mistake. If, okay, everyone's just like, this was really good, Pastor, up until this point. If Satan can take away, if he can take, if he can put that thought in someone's head that your life isn't valuable, this person's life's not valuable, if he can do that, he begins to think he wins. Because then you start to say, well, life isn't that valuable. Here's the, here's the reality. I don't care how much you don't think life is valuable. You could be sitting in a coffee shop right now. You could be sitting with a buddy in a coffee shop talking about how life is not that valuable. Life just doesn't matter. Sipping over a latte, drinking over a pour over, just talking about all the things that life doesn't matter, right? Oh, man, this life, what is this life? It doesn't matter anyways. Just uh, millennials. Oh, my goodness, man. What does life really, is there any purpose here? Is there anything? I love you all. This is awesome. You could be having this conversation, and let me prove to you that, that, that we do care about life. And two cars come down the street and just, Smash into each other. None of you are going to sit there and drink your latte and go, that really, nah, that's tough. Maybe, and I'll pray with you, but like <laughs> most of you are going to put your coffee down. You with me, church? Like I know this isn't common language today in the church, but this is the reality, that life is uniquely valued by God. You would put your coffee down, your $16 coffee, and you would run out, <laughs> you would run out into the street, and you would either call 911, you begin to get help, you begin to pull people out of the cars, you begin to do it. Why? Because it's life in there. It's life in there. We care about life whether we want to admit it or not. We care. Why? Because there's something about us being human, existing, that we go, wow, there's something different than us in the trees. Like, I, there's something different than us in the fish. We are uniquely designed. We bear the image of God over our lives. We have unique design and value. You with me? If you know this man, you're going to walk about with so much more free. You're going to walk about with more joy. Like, I'm not a mistake. No! None of y'all. Not one of y'all. None! We are uniquely designed by God. The second point is this. The, the worship team can come up on my second point because I'm not getting through all these. It is not by what we do. It's just what's in us. 
by creating us. This is helpful to you guys. This is our history. So if Adam and Eve give, a, give us a clear picture of the value of life in our family's history, then why in the mess were they placed in a garden? Why the garden? Right? Anybody ever think about that? No, my, my hand's up. <laughs> like, why the garden? Can I tell you today that the garden was intentional? There was so much purpose in the garden from the beginning. So much purpose in the garden from the beginning. There, there were things in the garden that were created for us to enjoy, enjoy each other, flourish with God's presence. Everything that was within the garden was ready for us. It was pure. It was right. It was good. Okay, you with me? Nod your heads. The garden had a massive purpose for mankind, for Adam and Eve. It was massive. I could talk about this thing a ton, but the place that God had chosen to place them on this earth mattered and reflected an incredible amount of God's heart. Can I say something to you? God is not like this today. He's not dropping you into situations and circumstances that are chaotic filled. You think so? That is not of him. That is because of the fallen nature that we will get to and we will talk about. God's never dropping people into chaos going, figure it out. That was never his purpose, and that's not his purpose today or intention today. His intention is to put you in places and spaces that are, you're going to be able to live, you're going to be able to move, you're going to be able to breathe, you're going to be able to have life and more life abundant. You're going to be in a relationship with one another, pure, right. The garden had intentions, and there's a ton of them that I could talk about. I just want to, I just want to cover three real quick. Is this all right? The first is this, that was the gar- what happened in the garden. The, the people received identity from God. Adam and Eve received their identity from God. Not only did he tell them who they were, but Genesis 1, 26 to 28 tells them to have dominion and, and, and watch over and, and rule over every living thing, but to f- be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and of the sea and of the birds. Like, like Adam and Eve were created by God. Not only were they created, but they were told who they were and what they should do. Okay? We all can talk about identity in the church all the time, about who you are. If you can catch who you are, then you'll have a deeper identity of what you're called to do. That's a good word, Pastor. Let me write that one down. If you understood who you are, then you understand the identity of what you're called to do. Okay, let me say this. Your jobs, your careers, your fields, everything that you guys do matter. They're important. They're super, super, duper important, right? But being a son and daughter is the most important thing. That's the first and foremost thing. And if you can understand that, that I'm a son and daughter, a son or daughter, that's who I am, that's who I am before anything else, good. You got it. Then out of that position, like I said, I've been on this journey. I've learning this more and more. I've been serving God 10 years. I don't ever want to go back to feeling what it, does, what it felt like to not walk as a son. So I know what it feels like to walk to be a son, but out of that calling of being a son, now I can walk out not just being a pastor, but being a husband, being a father, being a friend, being a pastor, being a leader. I can do everything that God's called me. Above all that, I'm called to be a believer of Jesus Christ and to represent the name of Jesus. If you knew who you were, see, Adam and Eve were told who they were, and then he gave them a commission to go do what they were called to do. It wasn't reverse, like, hey, go do everything, and then I'll tell you who you are. It was the beginning, and it still is today, through Jesus' cross and his blood and his resurrection, that who you are matters first, and then out of that will be your calling of what you're called to do. If some of you in this room right now are trying to figure out what you're called to do, stop trying to figure out what you're called to do. Please, just stop trying to say, what am I called to do? Start saying, God, do I know who I am actually first? Do I actually know that I'm a son and daughter first? Because if you don't know that, you'll get this whole thing mixed up. And the purpose of God is not to mix you up or mess you up or screw you up or do all those things that we all think it is. It's a purpose to give you life and life more abundant. So the second thing that we see in the garden was 
for us and for them really specifically was to abide and be in communion with God. To abide and be in communion with God. There was a tree planted in the garden, in the center of the garden, the tree of life. You, you, know, you know, some of you know your Bibles. There's a tree. What's cool about the tree is that tree represents the presence of God in the garden. That tree was in the center of the garden to show Adam and Eve, hey, you're not just here without me. You're here with me. Aren't you thankful that God's presence is still alive today? That his presence is still afforded to us today. But in the garden, it was, it was there and it was present and it showed in its form of a tree. Well, a tree, that's weird. Why a tree? Why wood? Because God wanted to remind us, even after the fall, that his presence was for us. You think I'm kidding? The staff that Moses lifted up, the staff that Moses used to deliver the people was a piece of wood. The Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God dwelled, was made by wood. Noah's Ark that held people. The, 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 we'll talk about it. Well, all the rest of humanity all held the people was wood. You know what the greatest part? The tree that Jesus hung on was wood. So in the beginning, he said, hey, I'm going to leave this tree of life here because it's a reminder that my presence is with you. If you understand who you are and what he's done for you, you can look back and go, that tree, that cross, is a reminder that his presence is with me today. That I'm not walking about this life all crazy and mistaken and distorted and crazy. I can look to the cross and know that his presence is with me today. I don't know what other teaching you guys, like I, that, that to me, just to know that God would, I gotta hurry so I don't keep awkwardly crying in front of y'all. Is this encouraging you guys? The third thing that happened in the garden that we see was to fulfill the calling to work it and to be a steward of it. I just want to simply say this. It says to Adam to, to work the grounds to do it. Rain had not come yet until Adam and Eve were there. There was no way that things were going to begin to grow, the plantation, vegetation. Other things were happening among the things, right? All that stuff happening. But, but God said, hey, now it's time for you to work it. Can I say something to a church? Just a simple point here, that we see it in the garden and it's for us today through Jesus we are called to be good stewards of everything God's given us. Go read all throughout Proverbs what it talks about a lazy man. Um, um, Insta-famous is nowhere in the Bible. Right, Mom? Like, insta-anything is not in the Bible. Some of us today, we want it now and we want it so fast now, but we're not willing to put any work into anything. And the reality is, is that God's given you a gift inside of you. Every single one of you has a gift inside of you that I don't have, that the person next to you doesn't have. You have it. It's a gift from God. I was just talking to my brother today, and he, he's just gone through medical school, and now he's, now he's doing his clinical. Is that right? Is that what we're doing? his clinical hours. Like, you best believe it. I'm not walking into a hospital going, I'm here, guys. <laughs> I mean, I'll pray for y'all. <laughs> But I'm not walking and going, I've gone through my clinical hours. I have the gift of, of, of medicine in my life. I don't have that gift. I don't even know what half. I, where am I going? Every one of you has something in you that God has called you to steward. And the question today is, will you steward it like God originally intended us from the beginning of time and has called us to do it today? Will you steward it? 
and will you do it well? Will you carry the gift? See, 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 see what, how this all works? If you don't know who you are first, then don't try to figure out what you're called to do. But when you know who you are and you know what God's done for you, then you will carry out the things that are inside of you that God wants you to go do. You with me, church? Third thing, third thing, third thing. We're wrapping up. So if we see that there was a purpose of the garden, and come back next week, and come back the next week, the next week, because this is important, it's going to build, but the third thing that I see, which is the most beautiful thing about it all, is we were created, third thing, we were created for face-to-face intimacy. The garden shows us clear as day that we were created for face-to-face intimacy with God first, and then with each other. With God first, and then with each other. Knowing that we were created for face-to-face intimacy, I pray that right now you'll catch this as I'm almost wrapping up. This is my third close. That you would spend less time looking in the mirror and less time on the screen and start looking to him. Uh, you know, I have this thing on my phone where it tells me how many hours I spend on my phone and it shows up, I think it showed up today, for, like it showed up this morning on my Sunday. I saw that thing today and I was like, snap. And then I started justifying, well, God, I read my Bible on the phone. It's all the Bible. And he's like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> No, God, it was, I swear. He's like, no, it wasn't. But if we know that we're called to face-to-face intimacy, we'd be less likely to go and do all these other things that we're giving our face to. So the first thing we get in the garden is this, is that God called for face-to-face intimacy, but then he said, hey, it's not good, in Genesis 2, it's not good for man to be alone. We get the account of one, and then, and then Moses continued to describe what happened in that moment in chapter 2, and he says, hey, hey, it's not good for man to be alone but I'm going to give them a helpmate. I'm going to give them the same of equal value person to them. I'm going to let you guys go and do life together and have intimacy together. Can I say this? This is why Satan would love to destroy intimacy. No? He would love to distort it. He would love to give you the wrong picture of it. He would love for you to say, oh, this feels good. I'm going to do it. Whatever I feel is what I'm going to do. He would never, God never designed us for any of that. He didn't design us for that. He designed us for intimacy with him and then with our husband or wife. And listen, I'm a product. Listen, whoa, whoa, whoa. don't get all judgmental. I walked my whole life without, without serving God. And I gave my life to a whole bunch of things. I'm just here to tell you, I know what happens when you give your life to Jesus, how good he is and how much goodness it comes with him and how much I was like, whoa, snap. That's what, the, oh my gosh. You know, can I say this? Uh, this is my 15th close. When you get close to God and you have intimacy with him, you realize how much he's not condemning you and how much more he's calling you. And you're like, oh God, I can't come close to you because I've done all these crazy things. And he's like, I already know. I know what you did last night. I'm not God, I'm God. And he's like, no, you're not. No, you don't know. You have no idea. Like you have no idea. He's like, I, actually, I was in that club with you. I saw it. Don't. He's not condemning. He's calling you out. He's calling you out of that life of sin and out of destruction and out of recklessness. He's saying, I want to have face-to-face encounters with you. I want you to see me, and I want you to know that I see you. This was in the garden, but it happens today through the blood of Jesus Christ and the Spirit. The garden was a place for intimacy with the Father, but it was also a place of intimacy with one another. See, you can't have intimacy with one another if you don't have intimacy with, my, with, with each other. My brother, come here. Come here, come here, come here. Welcome my brother onto this stage. He has no idea. None. He's like, oh, I have no idea. This guy's crazy already. Oh, my gosh. Stand there face me. See, if I don't have intimacy with the Father first, I will look at my brother, and I don't see him like this. You're a good-looking man. You're... But I will just see him for maybe his flaws, for maybe the things that everyone else says about him. You with me? 
You with me? I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. I will see him the way, uh, yeah. And he'll look at me and go, yeah. And he'll look at me and just see everything that's on me, everything falls, everything that I've done wrong. Because if we don't look up first, and we just try to do this and have intimacy with each other without looking up first, I'm only going to see him the way that I, I see him right now in the natural. But if I look up and I say, God, I want to have face-to-face intimacy with you, and he gives that to me, then what happens is, is we have encounters with each other and with one another that are supernaturally ordained and anointed by God. And I can look at my brother and say, man, you have power, you have purpose, you have a calling, you have a destiny, you have a future, your relationship's going to be blessed, your marriage will be blessed, all those things will begin to happen. See, what happens is I can't have those eyes for this guy if I don't have my eyes fixed on Jesus first. Thank you, my brother. See, what happens is this, if you fast forward in scriptures, First John says, hey, y'all love, you love God, you claim to love God, but you don't love the other person. How could you ever love me that you don't see, but you love them that you do see? Don't, hey, listen. We have unique value. We, me, you, individually. But guess what? So does everybody else around you. And when you have face-to-face encounters with the living God and face-to-face intimacy with the living God, just like it was intended for us in the garden, just like it is through the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ today, then you can walk around this life every single day going, that person is a gift from God. That person is a gift from God. Sherry, who's always complaining at the copy machine, she's a gift from God. Sherry, who's Sherry? I don't know. But Sherry has purpose. Sherry has calling. Sherry has a destiny. Sherry has something that God has placed inside of her that I got to go and I got to tell her the good news of Jesus Christ because Sherry is going to come to know Jesus and then spend eternity with Jay. Jay and Sherry are going to be in eternity together. Sherry. Oh my gosh, this guy's nuts. But isn't this the reality? Isn't this the reality? We want to change the world, and that's good. But you ain't going to change it if you don't know who you are. And that is an image bearer of Jesus Christ. Now, now listen, today you have the choice. I'm going to pray. You can choose to show off the image of God really well, or you can choose to show off the image of God really poorly. It's the good news of God that he doesn't force anybody into this thing. He doesn't make us robots. Oh, he just handcuffed me and now I'm, I'm his. No. He said, do you want to choose love or do you want to choose the world? God will not make anybody choose him. He'll, he'll, he'll meet you. He's a, he, the scripture says he's not a respecter of man. He'll, he'll, he'll do whatever he wants to get your attention. But he's not going to force your hand. And so I'm here today to say, hey, listen, listen. Do you want to choose to be an imager of God in the right way? by receiving his son, Jesus Christ, by walking in the the power of the Holy Spirit? Or do you want to say today, I'm not ready, it's not time for me, I'd I'd rather choose this. And if you choose that, we're going to pray for you, we're going to keep believing for you, you're going to keep coming back to this place, we're going to trust that God's going to reach you, but here's the deal. You can choose to be an image bearer today that gives glory and honor to God or not. The choice is yours and the presence of God is here right now for you to say yes to him or no and choose yourself today. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, I want to give that chance for you. I want to give that chance for you to say yes to being an image bearer, to, to, to receiving God and to receive Jesus and to receive his spirit, to show the world who you are and who God's made you to be. What this is, is this is an opportunity where it says, Scripture says, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. He's saying, open up, let me come in and let me transform you, let me change you. Let me bring you back to what was, to what was supposed to be through the cross and through that empty tomb. Let me release you of the sin. Let me release you from the burdens. Let me release you from the cares of this world. Let me give you life and life abundant. You don't have to walk around anymore with with no purpose and no plan. You can walk around with a purpose and a plan and with a destiny and a future. 
So with every head bowed and every eye closed, right now I just want to give an opportunity to confess in faith that you want Jesus and believe in your heart that he is Lord and King and Savior. And it says that heaven rejoices. Heaven throws a party when one comes home. It's now today is the day of salvation where you can say, yes, I want to bear the image of God better than ever before. I want to be with him in communion. So one, he loves you. Two, he dies for you and wants to, to forgive you of your sins by his blood. Three, he raised to life so that you could be raised to life with him. Slip your hand up right now. If you want to you go back to, the, you want to get to the Father, you want to be a part of it, lift your hand up high. Lift your hand up high. We see him. Don't, don't be shy. Lift it high. Hands are up. Hands are up. Hands are up. Hands are up. Amen. Amen. We see it. We see it. Come on, church, with one voice. Can we pray this prayer together? Jesus, I receive you today. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I am yours. And you are mine. Be the Lord, the Savior, and the King over my heart. I thank you, Jesus, for your cross and that empty tomb. I receive your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, I am brand new today. Come on, church, can we celebrate? Hands were lifted all across this place. Come on, can we stand to our feet? Can we worship him? Can we declare his goodness? Come on, can we just praise him? Just give him five seconds of praise in this place. He has given us his glory. He has given us his grace.